Hello there, and welcome to the podcast of the best-selling travelogue around the world in 80 cigars. It features fascinating people, amazing places, daft adventures, and great cigars from across the globe. You can buy the book from all good bookshops, from your favourite cigar merchant, or if you'd like your own personally signed copy, you can get one direct from me by emailing nick at nick-hammond.com. Enjoy the pod. Folks, Nick Hammond here, your host, and before you come with me around the world in 80 cigars with this week's guest, I just wanted to catch you for a quick chat to let you know that as of this week, um, we will be moving the pod to a bi-monthly broadcast. So twice a month instead of once every week. Uh, I did promise that in lockdown we would um, we'd get this sorted. Um, and we've run one every week for, for some time now. We're up to uh, well into our teens. But uh, I need to crack on. The world's opening up and there's lots for us all to do. So um, I will keep the, the pod going as I know you've enjoyed it. Your response has told me that. We've just crashed through the 5,000 listeners barrier, which is phenomenal, really. Um, so keep talking about it. Keep listening. Keep reviewing. Keep me informed. Send me your emails, nick at nick dash hammond.com let me know what you like and what you would like to see um, and we'll keep going and keep you entertained but just a little less frequently let me get on with some real work um, having said all that we'll be back i'll keep you posted and i hope you're all well enjoy the pod for today well hello again everybody welcome to around the world in 80 cigars the podcast with me, Nick Hammond. I hope you're all keeping well. Everyone is busy as hell from what I can tell. There's lots going on out there um, and we're all struggling to find a new norm, but we shall persevere. Now, um, thank you all for your feedback on the pod is keeping to come in. Um, you're loving it and it's either accompanying you in the garden with a smoke or it's accompanying you on the way to work if you're still doing that. Um, and you're coming up with suggestions and things for me to do and people for me to talk to, which is much appreciated. So please keep uh, keep reviewing, keep giving it a plug, keep subscribing, let people know it's out there. With that in mind, one chap has popped up on several people's wish lists. So I thought it was time I got him. And I have my guest this week is a man who's carved out a position for himself in the world of cigars over the last, ooh, I don't know, I will have to ask him, but after the last uh, many years... He operates, he has operated just outside the sort of main hub of fashionable Mayfair and West End cigar stores, lounges. Uh, but he really sort of opened some eyes when he, um, when he launched the UK's first La Casa del Habano, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a retail franchise, a retail franchise rather, um, with the Cuban cigar industry in the background and uh, only deals in Havana cigars. Um, and he began to specialise in old, rare and hard to find cigars that... Uh, collectors would go mad for and he's really found a niche there and he's known around the world for coming up with these amazing sticks that no one else seems able to find and um and recently not long before the whole covid thing caused us all to shut ourselves in um he finally announced a fantastic new shop right in the middle of that lovely fashionable mayfair zone at last 
and uh, and he's found, um, furnished an absolutely fantastic store at number six Cavendish Square. I am, of course, talking about AJ Patel. Hi, AJ. How are you doing? Hey, Nick. I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, yes, that was fantastic. All that. <laughs> you like that? You like that bit of an intro? Yeah. Did you? <laughs> of course. You could have that on your headstone. That's going to be a big headstone, then, isn't it? <laughs> so, how are you? Have I caught you today? Um, caught you today, sunning yourself in the garden? I suspect not. No, I was hoping to have a cigar in the garden because it's an absolutely beautiful day. It is. Um, I was saying to my wife yesterday, you know what? I'm going to have a nick. It'd be <laughs> great to sit in the garden and top my tan, get a bit more browner. Um, she started laughing. She goes, <laughs> she goes, you can't. You've got to go to the shop because we've got the painter there. Uh, we're, having the shop, we're, having, we're having the shop re, re, refreshed. Wait, okay. getting ready for the reopening after this long shutdown, you know? So you are supervising, are you? I'm not supervising, matter of fact. <laughs> I'm just, no, you're you know, talking to me instead. I'm just, yeah, talking, sending a few emails out before. And, uh, and uh, one of our regular customers, he just sent me a text for, AJ, hey, I said, and I'm not. He goes, I'm going to come and see you. I need to get some cigars. So you know what? It always helps, you know, always helps. Well, always happy to help a cigar smoker to make sure he never runs out of cigars. That is so important at this time. And lots and lots of people I'm speaking to are saying, do you know what? I was terrified that this would be the end of my business sort of thing. And actually, we're having a really good couple of months, as it seems, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you've got staff and overheads and stuff and all that worry. But in yeah. the big scheme of things, you know, you're still able to sell cigars, which is great, isn't it? Yeah, which is fantastic, you know. Um, we furloughed all our staff, yeah. um, which is fine. But then, you know, husband and wife team, Ban and I are in the shop. What we do in Teddington, we do a a Tuesday and a Friday from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Okay. Where customers know now, and it's brilliant because we literally get queues outside. Um, I'll send you a picture. I mean, last Thursday, I mean, last Friday. Yeah. There's a massive queue outside the shopping. People just wait now. They just wait. They're not rushed. They know they have to wait yeah. one customer at a time, and they're happy with it. That's brilliant. Well, listen, I've got this fabulous-looking cigar in front of me, and as, when we lined this up last week, we had a chat about what, what should we do, and, we, and, and, and you suggested very sensibly that we should have a smoke together at the very least. So we have, I have, yeah. a, we both have a Kawaba to hand, I believe. We have a kuawa, and I've just cut mine. Well done. Getting ready to light it up. And um, um, There's a reason for so it. This... It will become clear later in the podcast, but we're smoking these. Yes. So let's get cracking on them, and, um, and then we can explain why. So first of all, tell me, and I don't really know the answer to this, so I'm interested to know. how. Tell me how it all started, the cigar thing, in terms of piquing your interest. Our, my, our cigar journey, Banner, Banner and I... Um, Obviously, this is a husband and wife business. And I tell you what, Nick, without my wife, there's no way we would be where we are now, you know, because we've been married for 30 years this year. Really? Um, 30 years, yeah. And been working together for 30 years, living together for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite an I'll art. i tell you what, that's a, that is an art. Oh, uh, yeah. And a lot of guys, I can... 
I can I can hear them now. How the fuck do you do that? <laughs> you know, thinking yeah, bloody I hell. Think, AJ, you're a very brave man. Yeah, so um when we got married, um I used to I used to help my dad out in his shop. He had a shop in Richmond. Okay. And um on the quadrant, very small shop, but we used to sell it was a tobacco shop. Right. Pure tobacco as in we sold thousands and thousands of cigarettes in the days where cigarette packets were like seventy P for a pack of tea and like forty, fifty P for a pack of ten. Yeah. Um I mean and when I mean thousands thousands of packs, it was one of the busiest shops in the area. And um being the only family business, I started helping him in business. And then due to his um his health wasn't good. He had the rheumatoid arthritis. So I left my studies and I said, Dad, I'll just <clears throat> I'll help you in the shop. Being have got three sisters and being um an Asian family. Yeah. When your daughters get married, uh the father pays for the wedding. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and how many uh, not, daughters not, have you got? Like, no. <laughs> uh, oh, say again? How many daughters have you got, AJ? Two. <laughs> yeah, me. That I know of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, let, oh man. Yeah. Okay. Let's pretend. We, let's pretend that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Time to change, love. <laughs> oh man. So um, I left my studies. Started helping him in. Um, so we in the, this is eighties, early eighties. This was. Um, and then um, he decided to sell the business. Well, I got to lo- I got to learn about my cigars through the shop in in. Uh, my father wasn't a cigar smoker or a cigarette smoker, but when you when you're in a when you're in a business and you're dealing with so much tobacco, and we sold a few cigars, um, and the cigars became more and more interesting, um, and then we started selling more cigars, and our range of cigars got bigger and everything. Um, at that time it was, who was it? It was Knight Brothers, Joseph Samuels, Hunters and Franco. Um, there was, there's, there's two other ones. Um, what importing? uh, Importers. Yeah. It'll come back. It'll come to me in a minute importers where you know we used to buy cigars from all these people right and it's like joseph samuels would have the bolivar range and say the partigas range where hunters had the upman range and um other 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 brands um and then eventually it all condensed to one and hunters bought all the other companies out um slowly and then became one one supplier in the UK. Yeah. As the days where it was, we can't call it the monopoly now because there's no monopoly around. You can't have that. So now it's a it's a fifty fifty franchise with Habanos and Hunters. Yeah. And then uh, in when was it nineteen I think it was nineteen eighty nine nineteen ninety. We got married. You must have got married. My father. Yeah, yeah. I try not to remember. (laughs) (laughs) My God. (laughs) 
Gosh, how old was I? In my early twenties, early twenties. Early twenties, yeah. And uh, yeah, early twenties. And then that's um, then my father decided to sell the business because he wasn't well at all. And obviously, I got married. We um, we stayed with my mum and dad. A lot of Asian family. When the son gets married, you stay with your parents to make right. sure you look after them and everything. Then. Um, when he sold his business, you know, my wife and I, she, she's banners by, by trade. She's a beauty therapist. Oh, really? so that's what she specialized in. Yeah, yeah. So she, she, you know, she'd done all the beauty therapists, used to work on Beauchamp Street, Beauchamp Place in Knightsbridge. Yeah. Um, and then um, I people run their businesses whilst they went on holiday, do newspaper rounds and all just could not do it, you know, working for other people. So, yeah. we, you know, we had a chat and then we said, you know what, it'd be nice for us to have our own business. And we knew what to become a business and not just a normal shop. And then um, we went looking for shops. And I, when I meant look, we went everywhere. We went north, west, south, east, everywhere, right. even to the coast. Did you? You know, looking at all these tobacco shops that came up for sale. Mm. used to go and look at it and thinking, yes, even Hastings. I mean, Hastings is a beautiful place, but it's hilly, up yeah. and down, you know. It's not, it's not a flat area. No. But, you know, it's just, it just didn't have ring and the feel because we lived in London since we came here. Um, came to UK when I was eight years old. Banner came to UK when she was two years old. Really? Um, from, from Africa, yeah. What from um, uh, Kenya she, or somewhere? You, you get she she she's from Kenya, right? And I'm from Uga- and I'm from Uganda. Her oh, yeah, father right. left a couple of years before, a year and a half before all all, all the all the bad stuff used to happen with Idi Amin. Really? Wow! And then we left. We left when Idi Amin gave all the Asians three months to leave the country. Did he? And um, when you don't, if you don't leave the country after three months, you'd be shot. I never knew. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when when we left, when we left, I was eight years old, and the only thing I remember is going to the airport with our bags. Yeah. And there was all five of us. So it's five, six of us. Three. So it's four kids and mum and dad. We went, got to the airport, and then you have to line up, and it's just literally. You know, when you watch these movies, um, Schindler List, where yeah. the Germans get the Jewish, line them up. Um, so we literally line, 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 line us up, um, made us open up all our suitcases, and they will walk past you with the machine guns, ripping all the jewelry off you, no. and throwing it back onto the suitcase. And then they said to you, right, walk. You could not carry, you, know, you have to leave all your belongings there. And, you know, when you leave in a country, you know, so people literally put their jewelry in there, their money in there, and everything, you know? So everything had to be left behind, everything. Wow. And when my, when my father came here, my mom and dad came here with us, um, he only had 50 pounds stuffed into his socks, where a lot of guys, a lot of families did the same thing. You know, they, they stuffed money into the socks and that's all the money they had when they came to the UK because everything else was taken away. That's amazing. Everything. I never knew that. That's an incredible mm. story. So they wouldn't, didn't even let you take your suitcases? No. 
oh no, you could not take any of your belongings at all. Everything had to be left there because they knew it was full of your your personal stuff, jewelry, and Asian families have a lot of jewelry. Of course, you know yeah. because they they believe in the days the only investment you could do was um, invest in gold. Invest in gold, yeah, yeah. Yeah, My God! And do you remember that? You must have been terrified. That's the only bit I remember. That's really? the only bit I remember. Yeah, oh. us going, us going to the airport, and 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 this happening. You know. Jeez. So um, yeah, so we came here, and when obviously my mum and dad worked, and then bought the shop in Richmond. I helped, and then in nineteen uh, nineteen ninety, I'm sure it was nineteen ninety, he sold the business just after we got married. And then um, we started looking for business and uncle's rang up and he goes, oh, there's a shop, a newspaper shop, advertised in the standard newspaper. Okay. And then, so we came to have a look at it. Um, said, yeah, this is, yeah, Teddington, where's that? Never heard of it. <laughs> you know, it's amazing because from Richmond, where we had the business for like, 10 plus years from Richmond to Hinton right now, it'll take you minutes, if that, if that. It's not oh, even far really by car. Amazing. And when we came to Teddington, we said, damn, where is this? This is like the countryside. It's miles away. Never <laughs> 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 Teddington. Never heard of Teddington. And the other thing is that when you came here, they you would never see an Asian person here. It's right. You know, we, we, we stood out like a thumb. Yeah, and um, saw the shop, and it was like really old, old. Like just think of the oldie worldy newspaper shop, um, and it was so run down that you walk in and it had a a couple of cigarettes on the shelf, had a couple of tobacco tins, and just newspapers and magazines. I mean, the whole shop only survived on newspapers and magazines. That's it, nothing else. Okay. Ran by uh, a wife who were getting divorced, um, so she just wanted out, and then you know we came along. And then obviously I never done, I had to learn the business. I mean, not much to learn, so I used to go there in the mornings from where we lived in Greenford. Um, used to come down, so we used to have newspaper delivery, and the whole shop survived on newspapers. Really? So we used to have all the you used to have like. 15 boys turn up in the morning. You have to make sure you have all their newspapers written up and ready so they will go and deliver. So I said to the lady, okay, what want to be here? She goes, oh, um, 4 a.m. in the morning. I said, what? <laughs> no way. Oh, my God. I said, what? She goes, yeah, 4 a.m. You have to be 5 a.m. We have to get the papers all written up and get ready by half past four, latest quarter to five, for the boys to come and start delivering. I said, gosh, so I did that for the whole week, learning it, you know, thinking, and we used to get up at 3 a.m. in yeah. Greenford, literally brush your teeth, not even breakfast, oh. get in the car and come here. So I started coming at the beginning and then, oh, um, so funny. She, um, she goes, coffee, tea? I said, yes, please. I said, I have a tea, please. So first day, yeah, tea, I said, two sugars. I used to, no, three sugars, right? now zero, <laughs> three sugars. And then uh, by the third day, she goes, um, do you need your own 
sugar, please? I said, what? She goes, can you bring your own sugar? I said, yeah, okay, I'll bring my own sugar. <laughs> You're using all too much of her sugar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> bought, 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 bought my own sugar. And then um, we oh. took the shop over. Literally, uh, I think a month and a half later because of the paperwork and everything. Yeah. And then literally overnight. And this was 1993 then. Yeah, 93. February 93. We, we took the shop over and overnight we, re, we just rejuggled it, took out units, replaced different plate, you know, just, just rejuggled the whole, whole shop internally and cleaned it. And we had friends, cousins. We must have had about 15, 15 bodies there helping us out to re reorganize the shop and all that kind of stuff. Same place and you being, are Say again? Same place where you are now. No, this was oh, on, okay. this was on, uh, on Broad Street opposite. So this, so we've got the high street where we are now. And yeah. then we've got Broad Street, which is the other side of Teddington. Okay. And we have, we have a, uh, we have a railway bridge that separates the two towns. And then, wow. uh, and where we were on that side, that was the main side of uh, of Teddington, the main town centre. Really busy, buzzy, where the high street was dead because had, the high street was more of a like a boutique. Lots of antique shops, very sleepy, was nowhere busy as the other side. So it was good us being on the other side because we had more flow of people. Yeah. And then... Um, we re-ramped the shop overnight and literally the next day you got your regular customers who come in to buy the newspaper. They walked in, walked out, <laughs> thinking, what's going on? I've gone in the literally wrong shop. <laughs> walked, yeah, literally, they literally thought they are in the wrong shop overnight. And they'll come back in again and they said, and we said, no, no, it's fine. We're, you know, we're the new owners. And we, they go, oh my God, what changes you made overnight? Yeah, you know, so, it made a we made an impression from day one, right? And then uh, obviously uh, we used to get up at four a.m. in the morning, and we did that for years, years. Oh, that's awful. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> well when you're young, you can just do it, can't you? Well, you, yes, that's true. You can you, you can do it if you have to. Yeah, you'd kill you now, wouldn't it? But uh, even so, that's not that's now. not an easy life by any stretch. No, 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 not an easy life. But that's the only way you could survive. And the, and the days where, you know, the newspaper margin was far better than what you get now. Uh, it's not worth selling newspapers now. Yeah. Um, so you could survive. And then um, on the margins on cigarettes as well, you know, the margin, the, your, your margin on cigarette packets those days was fantastic. You know, you're looking at 16, 16 17%. Really? And plus you get a kickback from the manufacturers, depending on how many you sell, called a bonus system. So you know you could you could survive. <clears throat> Nowadays you can't. On a, on, a, on a pack of cigarettes, you're working on a maximum of like five six percent. Right. And if someone if someone comes if you come into the shop and say to me, oh AJ, you know, oh you know me, you know, can I take a pack of cigarettes and pay you tomorrow? Yeah, all right. Then go and have one, and, and I never do again. It'll take me a cigarette just to pay to make that one packet up. Gee. You know, so the margin is not even there. No. So we, um, so we knew, Banner and I knew, Banner's carried on working at her, at her, um, um, beauty salon uptown. 
Yeah. She's really, she used to ring me up every day. How's it going? How's it going? How many customers you had? <laughs> and I would say, oh, we got 30 quid. Yeah, and that's it. And I was going, have we did the right thing? She's like, don't worry. You know, it's the beginning. Yeah. We'll make sure it works and all that kind of stuff. Tough times. So, so, oh, yeah, tough times. And then it got busier and busier to the extent where she had to leave her business and then um, and help in the shop. And then ever since from then, we've always been together in the shop, you know. Um, we, we As the money came in, we just reinvested in the money in units <clears throat> and display units, had a whole shop refit, some refitted with cabinets and everything. And then um, we increased our range of cigars tremendously, okay. you know, and we, we, we recognized, oh, you know, gosh, okay, so we have a new cigar shop in Teddington. That's on the Broad Street. And then, um, obviously, the boom years, didn't they, between 96, yes. 96 and 99. 90s to late 90s sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those, oh, my God. Such a boom year where you would you would even have to struggle to find D fours, Monty twos, Epi twos. Really? Oh yeah! Oh, it's unbelievable. Uring up, uring up, you know, hunters or anybody, and say, "Can I have, you know, four boxes or five boxes of Monty twos?" They'll say, "Nope, you can have one." Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you can't. And I'm sorry, we haven't got any. So um, people used to ring around, have you got this, have you got that? It was huge boom, massive, massive boom the days, you know? And that's where we really got into the cigars big time. Uh, we had to increase humidor, make it bigger, made a little stock room at the back and started, started stocking up on cigars, you know? And were you, um, at this stage, had you in, started enjoying cigars? Then, then I started enjoying cigars when we, I, my, my first cigar I had was back in Richmond. <laughs> my first cigar was a Romeo and Juliet Churchill. Mm-hmm. And I went green, absolute green. I vomited. Oh, I was sick. <laughs> oh, no. oh, yes. And I say to a lot of people, you know, when a cigar beats you up, you will know a cigar's beating That's you up. That's very true, yeah. You never forget it, will You'll never forget it. It's like it's like being drunk on a on, on alcohol. You'll yeah. never forget it. No cigar. You will never forget it. Never. And every single person, I can guarantee you, they will have, they would have experienced something. Definitely. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we um. So that was my first cigar. Yeah, and then Baron started having cigars. Um. And then she used to smoke far more cigars than she does now. Right. I'm glad she doesn't smoke that many cigars now because there's more for me. Cost of fortune. I have to share. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what was so, she smoking? Um, oh, she would. She would. She would have the smaller cigars, you know. Right. Um, because when we when we were on Broad Street, we used to sell Cuban cigars as well as the. Um, at the time, you didn't get many non-Cubans into UK. No. Um, obviously, now you record them in the New World. Um, That's it. You know those those days you used to get. Wasn't there? That, that, you used to get the, the uh, Ashton VSGs, the yeah. Fuente range. Um, they weren't a big selection, but all the ones you could get, 
Um, we used to keep them in Teddington as well. So we kept all, everything, you know, Cubans and non-Cubans, we kept both. And they sold well, you know, Every, everything sold really well. Um, so she used to smoke, um, she used to enjoy smoking the short stories as well. The Odoro Fiorente short story, really good cigar. Yeah. Even to this day, you know. Beautiful cigar. But on the small, yeah, beautiful. And the days, you know, those days you could, you could find a petty corona in any size a corona in any size um all the all the classic slender you know um 30 ring gauge 42 ring gauge you could you could find easily and they're the classic size which obviously cuba doesn't make now um so you know if you want a small cigar you just pick one up and just enjoy it yeah. um and as time got along you know she she i mean she she would still smoke a cigar if we were out in in company or go to Cuba or there's a cigar event, she'll have a cigar, you know, she, yeah. she will not not have a cigar because she still likes to be, get to understand the flavors and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then obviously, um, business has picked up. We just kept on reinvesting, reinvesting in the shop and, and, you know, collect, uh, started, uh, doing our collection as well. Um, you know, we thought, these cigars, you know, they, they you could you could you talking to people, reading magazines, all that. You know, you you had a sense of hang on, it's like wine. You know, if you yeah. keep the cigars, you know, they become valuable over time. And obviously, because I started smoking cigars, I thought, oh, you know, let me put a couple of these boxes away, a couple of that boxes away. Yeah. And understanding the market where there was a uh, a huge um, stock. Um, uh, what do you call it? Inventory. Uh, inventory where you couldn't get the stuff. I you know, see. once 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 the supplies started becoming more frequently, um, I just said to myself, then you know, you know what? <clears throat> if we get ten boxes of something, I'll put two boxes away. You know, and that's how right. your uh, that's how the collection gets built up. Okay. Um, and just keep them to one side and that just for a rainy day in case anything ever happened again like it did where the stock was so hard to get hold of. Right. So it was to start with, it was a practical measure rather than a I think this will be worth some money and I want to hang on to it sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On on the money on the investment side never came into my mind. Right. Purely on the practicality of it that we mustn't run out of stock again. You know, let's keep some of this in case hunters or suppliers or Cuba ever never send cigars. Let's keep some inventory behind so we can keep customers happy. Yeah. Um, so we started doing that. And then um, we had kids. 1994, our first daughter came, Rekka. Right. And um, so from 93, yeah, it's a whole of 93, we kept on traveling from Greenford to Teddington every day. We had a, we had the, the shop had an upstairs residence as well, oh, okay. which is a, which is a dyer, but we cleaned it up, repainted it, redecorated it so we could live up there, you know? And then when Rekka came, we decided to move there and that's where she was born. And then 1996, our second daughter was born Mira. She was born in 96. So both, both Teddington born. Yeah, and into the and into the world of cigars, you know, into into straight into a newspaper cigar shop. So um, they, you know, to this age, they still help out, which is good. Oh, good. 
And meanwhile, while you're getting deeper and deeper in and falling in love with the whole sort of romantic side of things, eh? Oh, completely, you know. And then there was a there was an opportunity to go to Cuba in 1997. Okay, was that through um, hunters or? No, no, that wasn't through Hunters. That was just off my own back. Okay. There's a group of us that decided, um, you know, let's, 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 let's go to Cuba. So uh, we went to Cuba, uh, 1997. <laughs> I'm laughing, Nick, because the only airline that used to go there at that time was um, Cubana Airlines. Oof. And I don't know if you've ever flown one of those. No, I've managed to avoid that, but I've heard a lot about them. <laughs> Unbelievable, mate. Um, really? <laughs> the Russian, the, you know, the old Russian planes. And, you know, so excited. You don't even think about, you know, yeah. suppose the plane doesn't get there. <laughs> and they did a terrible so, um, safety record, didn't they? Completely, yeah. I mean, looking look, looking at back now, very bad safety record. Ooh. And um, and I remember the time, obviously, traveling economy. Um, the seats were like they didn't get the seats were so thin the padding is that your ass was just <laughs> numb really numb <laughs> oh, yes and obviously it's not a short then flight. it's not a short flight no and then those days you could smoke cigarettes mm. on the plane right and oh my god and I remember sitting there and then you used to have like X rows back are all smoking. That's right. And then X road frontwards is non-smoking. What a joke. But it doesn't where it doesn't matter where you sit because the smoke's still gonna get everywhere. <laughs> and people used to puff away cigarettes, you know, and used to get right and I never smoked cigarettes. It used to get right up your nose and you're like, oh it's disgusting. Disgusting, you know? And I remember the first time going I we stayed at Mia Cohiba. Yes, Minya Cohiba. Yeah, um, we we stayed there. Uh, um, got there, and it's like you could just smell the air difference. Oh, yeah, you know, you could smell the the paraffin, the petrol in the air. Yeah, because those days compared to now, there was more uh, old American cars then. You know, bomb mm. like bloom or black smoke coming out the exhaust <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But I tell you what, it's just that vibe. The first time you ever stepped your foot, your feet in Havana, and it's unlike it anywhere, isn't it? Bloody hell! Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I can, I can, I'm sure you had the same experience for the first time that you went. Yeah, you know, stepping into Havana for the first time ever, and the smell just hits you. So exciting. Mm. So '97 was the first time I went to Cuba. Okay, and. Um, did you go for the festival? Yes, there was a festival then. That's right, there was. Um, and I'm trying to think which cigar they launched in 97. I think, was it... Um, um, was it Vegas Rebena? Could have been. 98? I thought that was 96, but it could have been easily. I have to look it up. So one of the events, I can't look it, I, I'm, I'm sure I've got some pictures somewhere. And then I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. That I went back ever since. Every since year. Since 97. Wow. I've been going back to Cuba every single festival they've ever had. Yeah. And then um, then I started going to the Particles Festival. And one of the main festivals that it was just 
super exciting was when they did the Kohima 35th anniversary. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, 2001. And my Bauna came with me. That's the first time she came to Cuba with me. So for her, it was exciting. But then, by then, they fit, they just built the, um, the Baca Central Hotel. Oh, yeah. So it's a, the newest hotel in Havana been built right in center of, of near the Capitolo, um, the heart of central Havana. And it's fantastic, beautiful hotel at the time. So we stayed there. Um, obviously, you know, she's come with me. And I always, I mean, now I, I stay in, in, in um, private residence. Right. Was there, so that would have been near um, the Partagas factory, presumably. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know where the Capitolo is? Yeah. So you know where the Saratoga Hotel is right now? Okay. So Capi- uh, Parca Central is right next to it. Yeah. Um, right on the main square. Beautiful. We had the, we had the front-facing um, corner suite. Yeah, it's so funny. They, they, they upgraded us to a suite. And I'm thinking, why? Because since, since my second visit, um, 97... 97, 98, 99, I stayed at the Paca Central Hotel for quite a, lot, quite a few times. So they get to know you. Yeah. And um, at the reception, when we checked in, I said, oh, I brought my wife along with me and all that. So they go, oh, you know, okay, yeah, do you have a pleasant stay? You've been upgraded. Wow, you don't hear that. Very often. Bloody <laughs> hell. Yeah, brilliant, fantastic. So she loved it as well. She absolutely loved it. And then... Um, Obviously, that was the 35th Cohiba launch of the Cohiba 35th anniversary cigar. Oh, yeah. And um, at, that ta- at that time, um, it was, they launched the Cuaba Solomon. Um, uh, yeah. Now we're getting... Yeah. So, yeah, the Cuaba Solomon. See, this is why um, I said to you, shall we smoke a Cuaba Solomon? And I was trying to look for a box from, from 2001. And um, I didn't have a box from 2001. And then I thought, you know what? Um, I came along across the Cuaba Distinguidos. Yeah. So that's what we are smoking now, the Cuaba Distinguidos. It's a lovely afternoon. Um, oh, it's a fabulous afternoon smoke, isn't it? It's, um, you know, it's not too big to guys, 52 ring gauge. And it feels nice in the, uh, on the hands as well. Yeah, nice it's and nice. It's not a... a Medium, yeah, medium strength cigar right now. Sure, it'll get fuller, but yeah. right now it's a medium strength. And the reason I picked this cigar is this cigar they they did it for the jar, if you remember, they when they made the Millennium Jar. Okay, yeah. So they made the Cuaba Distinguidos in the jar. That's the first time they ever made it in two thousand, but the jars got released in two thousand and one. Right, because there was a uh, the there was supposed to be released in the millennium, but there was a delay because of the jars. So the festival of two thousand and one, they released these the the jars, the the Cohiba jar, which was the Cohiba Pyramides, the um, um, Monte Cristo Robustos, and then you got the Cuaba Distinguidos. Yeah, and everybody says you know when it got launched, oh, the Cohiba is going to be fantastic, the best. To tell you the truth, out of three, the Kuaba is the best of the completely superb cigar. Yeah. 
So I thought, yeah, let's do this. But this is in 2003 into the commercial market. And um, I don't, you know, still to this day, I don't think a lot of people have smoked this cigar, the Coabo Distinct with us. Well, it was funny you mentioned it because it's something that's not really on the radar. And I, and I must admit, I, I thought, well, I can't remember the last time I, I, I smoked one. And I started thinking about it. It's a real sleeper brand, isn't it? Like nobody yeah, talks yeah. about it, but they're actually cracking. Cracking. Beautiful cigar, you know. And you know what? The other thing is, if I had a choice, if I had a choice, some said to me, which, which Coaba out of the two? You know, the Coaba Solomon or the Coaba Distinguished would go for the Coaba Distinguished us. Because, you know, for me, I find it, yeah, it's got far more, it's body to the cigar. Right. You know, yeah. And obviously even the, the draw yeah, where the Solomon can be slightly tight sometimes, where this one, this is I smoked the quite a few. This is delicious. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. Yeah. Mm. Good choice. Have you had one of these before? I have. They're distinct, from, distinct with us. Yeah, not for many, many years. Um, and as yeah, I say, yeah. it's one of those brands that I just don't think about, which is crazy. Um, and was that the year then that you had your famous meeting with um, with El Jefe? Oh, man. So that, <laughs> that that festival, oh, my gosh. So we, that, that um, when Bounder came in um, 2001, yeah. The festival was at Club Tropicana. And you oh. know what tro Club Tropicana is like, yeah? That's the stuff. And anybody, right? isn't it just, I tell yeah. you what, I, I say to a lot of people, if you're visiting Cuba for the first time, no matter what, you've got to go to Club Tropicana. Yeah, mine. Because mine. it's a cabaret show not to be missed. Yeah. You know, it's just fantastic. Go to the late you know, show and you'll never forget it all your life. Never, never. And you always talk about it forever. Always talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So they had this, they had the, 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 the festival, the gala night at the Club Tropicana. Okay. You're out for warm night and everybody's dressed up. Um, I had a, quite a few of my American customers there at that time. Right. Um, and Banner was there in a ball gown, gold ball gown, beautiful. Mm. And, you know, you, you just like buzzing because we knew Fidel Castro was going to turn up because right. all the other, he'd always turn up at the last minute. So we knew he was going to turn up. And then um, right towards the end, just before the auction starts, Fidel Castro turns up. Does he and, just march uh, straight uh, onto the stage then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when he goes straight onto the stage. Right. And um, this is when he was doing the auction as well. And um, there was one piece, um, um, a humidor that was made in Switzerland, um, like a safe, big, a big um, safe. It's literally like a safe. So you had, you had a um, wheel to open it and close it. Okay, yeah. But the way the wheel worked is that as you did it, you had a rotation of shell that go like a circular motion wow. and each shelf had cigars inside or, or cigars on it nice. or you know vegas rebenas cohibas partigases well, a lot of cohibas and um so that came up on to the to the to the auction um 
And obviously, because Fidel Castro, when he turns up, he signs, he starts signing these humidors. Yeah. And the prices go crazy. So obviously, the bidding started. And then, um, you know, this, these two guys that I know that they won, they won the bid. And then um, um, they, one of them goes up onto the stage to, you know, obviously to claim it and all that kind of stuff. And as he goes up on the stage, he picks, he takes the mic from Simon. Yeah. Takes the mic from Simon. Right. And then, um, and then literally turns out and says, um, AJ, where are you? Thinking what? AJ Patel. Where are you? Can you please come to the stage? Really? What? <laughs> I thought, what? Oh, man. So then I get up. And hunters were there at the time, obviously, uh, thinking, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> you know, um, how comes AJ's been going on to, uh, to the stage? So there, there I go, up to the stage. Uh, bloody hell. And on the stage, you got Fidel Castro, you got Simon Chase, <laughs> you've got Compe, you got Compe Segundo on the no, stage as well. Really? Yeah. Um, so I, there I go up. And then I said to my my uh, the guy I know, I said, "What the fuck? Why are you calling me up really quickly? You know when I you know when you talk fast." Yeah. And he goes, "How the fuck do you think I'm going to get the humidor out of the country? Because I can't take it to the US with me." <laughs> right. <laughs> he's American. He's American. Obviously, lives in the US, so obviously he can't he can't had it. He, he couldn't take it to the US, so. Yeah, I'm going to send you to London. So, you know, I wanted you to be here. I said, okay, I don't mind. What's your address? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, um, so whilst I was there, I said to, I said to, because uh, Fidel Castro, he speaks English. In no public, problem. he will not speak English. Yeah, he speaks English. Okay. He, he will not speak English. Uh, he'll only speak Spanish. And then, um, Banner was the, at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, with my big Nikon camera taking pictures oh. and the bodyguard is saying, pushing, pushing her away, pushing her away, you know, and he goes, no, you cannot take, like he's doing this with his finger, shaking his finger saying, no, 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 you cannot take pictures, cannot take pictures. Oh. And then she's saying, you know, that's my husband, that's my husband. So I'm looking at her and, I, and I'm going like this, so come on, come on, come on. And then um, I looked at Fidel and I said to Fidel, because I knew the word for wife, esposa, so I said to him, you know, that's my esposa, my wife. Can she please come up? And he looked at the bodyguard. He stuck his finger out and literally just waved to one. And his bodyguard literally stepped back. And huh. then Banner came up on the, stay, on the yeah. stage with me. And he was like, what the hell? This is fantastic. And um, that's the picture that we have uh, in the shop. Really? Uh, for Banner and I, obviously, when I had hair. I'm no <laughs> hair now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you must send it to me and I'll use it as the, you know, to advertise the podcast because it's a brilliant picture. Brilliant. I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'll definitely send it to you. Yeah. And the other thing about that picture, Nick, is literally after that, Compe turned around and said to Fidel, can we auction my hat? Yeah. And <laughs> so it is literally Compe Segundo signed one side, Fidel Castro signed the other side, and they auctioned his hat. And they, his hat got like 30,000, 
thousand, oh, and yes. at that time it was US dollars. Really? Yeah. So it raised thirty thousand US dollars at the time, and I thought, I wonder who's got that. It who who's got that? Yeah. Still, you know. And did he actually speak to you, or did he just look at you and and you know? No, we spoke. No, we spoke because in we were doing all that in English. In really? English. Yeah, yeah. Very. Yeah, yeah. What did he say? Can you remember? Um, Dan. No, we no we. The guy, obviously, who bought the humidor and myself, we were talking about the humidor, how nice it was and all that. Yeah. And I remember at the time, um, the front of the humidor was not signed. And so we said to, he said to Fidel Castro, uh, can you please sign the front of the humidor? Now, the humidor, understanding, was so heavy that they could not bring it to the stage. Uh. Yeah. Okay. So what, what, what we did is that we went down the stage where it was placed and the, the, the chaos is like, it was, you know, like going to uh, being a movie star and you all got paparazzi going. Yeah, it must have been an absolute you know, crowd. Massive crowds. Yeah, because coming off the stage into the public where the, where the humidor was, see? So obviously there's a huge gatherer of public around you and the paparazzi, uh, the media there as well. Um, and then by the humidor, he literally signed the front of the humidor with, you know, Fidel Castro and he always dates it. Uh, and I do remember at the time that, and that's what we talked about. Can we please sign the front of the humidor? Right. Because that just increases the value 10 times, you know? Um, luckily, he got no. it after. Do you know what happened to that humidor? Uh, yes, he got it back to his place, so it's back in the US. I'm not and he still got where. it, he still has it. How yes, amazing! He still has it, must be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Now. yeah, 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 definitely. With the cigars all signed as well, you know. What an amazing yeah. story! And that must have caused a million conversations in the shop when people see that. Is that real? Yeah. Oh, yeah, people will look at the picture. Oh, that's Madame Tussauds, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not Madame Tussauds. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it isn't. <laughs> that's a brilliant story. Yeah. Let's, move it, let's move on then to, um, you know, you've got this great shopping, Teddy. You, you open the first yes. La Casa, which, again, took things to another level. First one in the UK. Yes. Um, first one in the UK in 2008. Right. When okay. the smoking ban, when the, in 2007... Uh, when they started talking about smoking ban coming into UK and all that kind of stuff, um, we um, we weren't thinking of moving. We, um, oops, sorry, Nick, give me, Nick, I'm sorry, just give me a second, all right? Yeah, no problem. Give me a second. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> that was my painter. He wanted to go. We just wanted to quickly say something. Ah, bless him. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was uh, what year was that? 2008, did you say? 2008, yes. So we weren't thinking of moving. Um, but then um, we got to know, we've been in, in Teddington for so many years then. You get to know all the estate agents, you get to know all the shops. Yeah. So they know, they know who you are, you know, especially having a, a specialist cigar yeah. shop, one of the unique. And there's, you know, because you have lots of clothes shops, lots of food shops, but ours was very unique. So everybody gets to know you. So I was talking to one of the agents and I just said to her, yeah, we said to her, 
yeah, you know, it'd be great if we can, you know, we're looking for another premises. Um, we'd love to have a shop in central London, but, you know, just can't afford it. Um, and she just literally said, oh, there's a shop coming onto the market in on the high street. Right. I said, where? She goes, right in the middle. So I said, okay, when can we see it? She goes, oh, let me make a phone call. Literally within half an hour, we walked over, walked into the shop. It was an empty shop then, completely. And we walked in and it was like, wow. And she goes, and one thing she didn't, I think she told us at the time that had a basement. But when someone says to you, a basement, yeah, you just think, you just think of a basement, don't you? Low ceilings, dingy, yeah. dampy smell. And then we went downstairs. And then the minute, even before our feet touched the bottom of the floor, me and Bana already said, we'll take it. Really? You could see that potential straight away? Oh, 100%. We knew straight away with the smoking ban coming in and with the exemption of a cigar lounge where you can sample cigars in a cigar shop, we said, nope, literally said to her, there and then, we'll take it. Brilliant. She goes, what? Really? Said, yeah, we'll take it. Um, we know we, we, we knew what we wanted to do. And then we literally negotiated, did a deal, uh, lawyers and all that kind of stuff. And then we, so nice because the, the two guys who you've been to the shop in Teddington as well. Mm, so yeah. all the units you see here are all, all handmade, wooden units, yeah, it's beautiful. all bespoke, all bespokely made. And these two guys who made it were our, were our customers. Ah, you know, they, right. they literally set up their, their carpentry unit in Teddington as well. A couple of years after we moved into Teddington in 93, you know, so 95, they moved into Teddington. And then we got to know them over the years, what they did. And they did a lot of work at, in, on the Broad Street shop. And then we said to them, we want to do this here. So Banner did all the drawings. She's, she's great at designing, you know, yeah. all the cabinets and all that kind of stuff. So literally on a piece of paper, she measured up, did the drawings, you know, cabinets, display units, counter, the humidor, we did it together. And um, he drew it up and it, we started from there. So we literally, we did the whole shop, reconstructed it, refitted it, everything before we closed the other shop. Uh, we only closed the other shop for three days. We only closed the shop for three days to wow. transfer the stock, refit it, and open it on the high street. Brilliant. And when we, when we, oh yeah, and then whilst we were doing it, we said, let's, get the La, let's try and get the La Casa del Bano franchise. Uh, and right. that's, when we approached, that's when we approached Hunters and said, um, why we wasn't like to, there we, one we, before that, AJ? Do you know? Hmm. So there was, um, they always wanted to have in central London. Yeah. Because we approached, we approached Hunters many, many years before that to have the Broad Street shop as a La Casa de Bano. But okay. they said, no, it's not in central London. They wanted it in central London. Um, so there was one on uh, Wardour Street. Uh, La Casa de Habano on Water oh, Street. Was there? Okay. But, yeah, there was. Yes, there was a roller in there for a while, wasn't there? That's right. That's yeah. right. 
But the thing is that it didn't it didn't meet all the criteria the La Casa franchise required. You know, the size of it. It was tiny, the, wasn't it? Tiny, tiny. And, you know, even then I was saying, how the hell did they get it? Yeah. But they just desperately, Habanos desperately wanted uh, La Casa de Habano in London. Because, come on, London is the hub of cigars, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. You know. So, um, when we when we approached them here, Habanos just gave notice, and we didn't know this, they just gave notice to the Wardour Street that uh-huh. they're going to take the license away. Right. So they they were looking, and then uh, um, the gentleman dealing at the time was Ignacio, um, yeah. who who dealt the who who dealt with the franchise, and um, luckily I knew Ignacio because of my trips to Cuba, you know, and Is that the um, same Ignacio that was later with Hunters. Yes, yeah, same yeah. Ignacio Bomasera. Um, yeah. Um, who hunters and Francos for four years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, same guy. And then, um, luckily, he was in Spain at the time. So hunters said to him, "Look, is there any way you can come to London? Because there's somebody who wants to take the franchise over." So he went, "Yep, sure, I'll be there in two days." So he came here. Um, we had lunch across the road in the restaurant, and then um, no, first he came in here. He looked at the shop looking around okay and then you know the work the works has started already we already started doing the the carpentry he's looking around and say oh and then he goes oh where are you going to put your lounge i said you haven't finished yet so we went downstairs same thing even before he put his foot on the bottom of the step he said okay yep let's sign the document brilliant And that was it, you know, and um, that's how the La Casa de Barno in Teddington was born. Um, great. And that was the first, you know, I think I must have first met you very shortly after that and came and saw the shop for the first time and was amazed because nobody had yeah, anything like yeah. that, did they? It was, mm-hmm. it was just fantastic. No. No, exactly. Yeah, that's right, because I, I was looking back at my, because I do YouTube videos, yeah, and I was looking back, on, and I, I I came across the one that you you literally came in on the day that we got the shipment of the Florida Cano <laughs> short right. robustos. Yeah, by sheer <laughs> chance, and everyone was like, "Oh my yes. god, jammy sauce!" What yeah. was that? Was yeah. that two thousand nine or something? That was that was when was it? When did it come out? It came out in two thousand. I think it was 2009, or was it? I'll tell you you when it was, Nick, to the extent, because I have still the cigars. Oh, do you? What a beautiful, beautiful cigar. 2011, that's when it was. Yeah, 2011. I, I looked at that video... If you get a chance, look at it, Nick. You're reminding you how young we both were. Oh, God, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember around that time, a few years, maybe a couple of years later, or around that time, anyway, we went to that incredible dinner at the Lanesborough and they served those short, uh, Florida Carno short robustos with the champagne yes. as an aperitif with, with Giuseppe. And, that's right. Oh, my God, how good was that? That's right. 
that was that was that was our aperitif cigar, wasn't it? Yeah. And then we and then we had. Do you remember what our main cigar was? We had the we broke the humidor of the Particus One Sixty Five anniversary. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what a cigar! Uh, and then he got that incredible oh, oh, oh. cognac. Yes. <laughs> It was like oh my god, eighteen something, wasn't it? It was just an extraordinary yeah. afternoon. Unbelievable, unbelievable. You know, amazing. Those were the days, mate. It wasn't it just. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing how it's amazing how this. You know what? I would say it's amazing how Cuban cigars, the people you meet, the wealth from the highest. To the norm people like us, right? Yeah. Or like me, normal yeah. person. Yeah. Um, and you can smoke the same cigar and it brings you to the same level, you know, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. And it happens time and time again, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. hundred percent, you know, so, so good. You know, having a smoking a cigar and you're on the same level. No one's above, no one's below. doesn't matter what you're smoking. You have a good discussion and everything, you know? Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, and that's what keeps us all just so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thing. All, all these years go by and we're just as... We're just like kids in a sweet shop like we used to be, aren't we? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel like, you know, kid at Christmas when I open an, any box of cigars. It's just a magical thing. Oh, it is. It's, it's just something else, isn't it? We, know, we just got off a couple of boxes in of the Monte Cristo Supremos 2019. Uh, yep. Um, and I tell you what, just opening the box, undressing it, and then when those when you see the cigars, your 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 smile just goes, Wow, look at that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and your wife goes, You're bloody mad <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It's only cigars. My girls say my girls say they call me Papa. Papa, they're only cigars. They go, but look at these. I said yes, I know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Mine go, look at me, like, it's just a bloody cigar, Dad. No, not to me, it isn't. <laughs> no, not to us. Not so to tell us, us, tell us how... It's um, like candy, let's isn't it? Like let's candy. Bring, <laughs> let's bring it up to date. Tell us about this amazing new shop that, that I've only seen briefly, but um, unfortunately you had to sort of, you know, batten down the hatches very quickly. But this incredible uh, new shop that yeah. you put together at number six Cavendish. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, um, you know, we've obviously been in Teddington for so many years. Um, and a lot of people do know us worldwide. Um, but, you know, we get people coming into UK and they ring us up. Oh, you know, I've seen this. Um, where are you? Teddington. Where? Where? Yeah. Where's Teddington? <laughs> oh, you've got to catch a train from from Waterloo, then come to Teddington. Oh, no. And then, you know, you we lose that many customers. And the customers who do come in here, who take the effort to come in, yeah. once they're here, that's it, they don't leave. They don't yes. leave and they always come back. Because once you've seen our shop, our collection, especially our, our sampling lounge downstairs, very comfortable, you know, with leather sofas and all that. Yeah, um, I can imagine that's true. I mean, we've been, Just getting them there, isn't it? Yes, getting them there, exactly. Well, once, once, once they're here, that's it. It's, they, there's no turning back. And then... Um, you know, Banner and I always have discussed and we've always looked for shops in London. Yeah. Um, always wanted a shop in London, but obviously finding the right location, right size, 
and getting a landlord to agree to what you want to do as well, you know, because they, they, you have to get a, a lot, you know, a go ahead from them. Yeah, it's not easy. These and then, days. you know, it's not easy. And so, we, we, you know, we've seen four or five different places where we're always very, very good. Um, but never, it never went through properly. Um, and then um, this particular one, <laughs> I, I don't know how long we have on here, but I can tell you a quick story how it happened. Fantastic story is. Yeah, go on then. Um, is I had a call. Um, I know I had a WhatsApp message from a gentleman that I I I, I met in Cuba, and we keep in touch purely on Facebook and WhatsApp. And so he sent me a message by saying, "Hey AJ, how are you doing? Blah blah blah. I've got a friend in London looking for some cigars. Any chance you can help him out?" So I said, "Hey, listen, if he's a friend of yours, tell me. Yes, no problem at all. What's he looking for?" I was looking for Bihiki 56, uh, Kohiba, Stigler 6s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, oh, bloody eye. He goes, no, seriously, AJ, this is a serious guy. He plays polo. He's having a, he's playing polo with Prince Harry right now. I've been going, fuck off. I'm going, don't BS with me. He goes, <laughs> literally, within 30 seconds, he sent me a picture. Bang. He is with Prince Harry, right? And I'm thinking, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, right though. This so is different level. I said, okay. So um, he plays for the Argentinian, Argentinian um, polo club. Um, so well, I'm not going to say anything else. Can't give too much away. And then um, I said, all right, then fine. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a box of 56. I'll give him a Sigler 6. And there's a few other boxes. Um, and he, and I go, this is my address. Tell him to come here at such and such time. He goes, yep, sure, no problem at all. And then I get a, a message and saying, um, AJ, it's got so late, um, he's not going to make it to you, but is there any chance you can drop it to his hotel? So I said, yeah, sure, okay, what, no problem. Where does he live? So he goes, he lives on, um, he lives in, um, oh, shit. Uh, I've just forgot the name's hotel's name. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What's the hotel's name? Just around the corner from Cambridge Square. Um, uh, um, right. The, oh my God! Hunters has an event there. Oh, the um, what was the sort of um, Churchill Bar? No, that's the Churchill Bar. That's 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 further up now. Um, oh my God! Oh dear, not a home, not a, not staying at home house. No, I can't think of it. Oh, you've uh, you've you've muted yourself. <laughs> it's gone quiet. I can't hear you, AJ. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, yeah, got you. Yeah, okay. I'm going on. Can you still hear me? Yeah, fine. Yes. <laughs> are you looking it up, are you? I'm looking it up. Like Langham. Ah, uh, yeah, the Langham, yeah. The Langham Hotel. So he said to me, he's standing at the Langham Hotel. I said, okay, fine. So I drove up after we closed the shop. I drove up at night, um, parked the car on the square, on the round, on, on Cavendish Square. Yeah. And I walked to the Langham Hotel and I sat there with him, had a drink, gave him a cigar. He was well excited. And then um, as I was walking back to the car, I got in the car and I drove round. And then that's when I saw the to let sign. 
on number six Cavendish Square. Ah. I drove I drove around three times <laughs> thinking, what? So I parked the car again, walked out. You're trying to look in the shop because you can't. There's a huge, there's a basement. So there's a, a an iron gate in, in front of the whole building. Yeah. So I couldn't really see. So I, I managed to get a picture so you could see the depth of it. We couldn't see the depth of it. Got the details, came home. In the morning, I said to Banner, look, I saw this on Cavendish Square. There's a shop to let. She goes, okay. She goes, why don't you ring them up? So I rang them up. I said, so we arranged a viewing a couple of days later. So Banner and I went down to have a look at the shop. The agent met us, went through the front. The minute we stepped into the shop, we went, oh, my God. And it was huge. Yeah, it's massive. massive. Yeah. It's massive. 1,900 square feet. What was it before, offices? No, it was like a French wine school. Uh, um, they've been there for 10 years. And then, obviously, after that, they finished. There was an empty unit. So it was just a, cre- a clean, empty. It was a, sort of an empty canvas. But the depth of it was massive. Yeah. So, you know, we thought, we've got to try and get this because this is fantastic because it had every, it had everything that we want to do in a, in a cigar lounge. Not just lounge, what a cigar shop needed. Yeah. You know, space, big humidor, bar, and a big lounge. I mean, this is, it is the biggest, it's the biggest indoor sampling lounge in central London. Is it? Um, yeah, it, it is, yeah. yeah. And, it's and we wanted and we wanted to be different compared to everything else, you know. We wanted yeah. to be more of a um, a club feel, but yeah. as a retail unit. Yeah, I was going to say, it's very much like a private club. Yeah, yeah, very much club feel with a, with a retail, retail bit to it as well. And um, so it took us it took us over a year to negotiate this. Wow. Didn't yeah, it? it took us over a year to negotiate. And then we got there. And then the refurbishment started. And um, <clears throat> so what, we, what I did on my Instagram is I, I, I shared our progress with all my Instagram people on the start to the finish of everything. You know, we even yeah. had, I mean, you know, you know Massimo. The yeah, D-Art. Of course. Um, I mean, he makes amazing humidors. What a great guy. Um, what a great guy. What a great guy as well, you know. So, you know, we when we did the drawings and all that, we're thinking, who shall we get to get the humidors? So we get the same carpenters as that helped us to make the Teddington one. Uh, and Banner goes, nope, we're not having anybody but Massimo. <laughs> oh lord oh my god I go do you know how much that's going to cost <laughs> so Fine. she goes nope nope I'm the project manager she goes and uh, we're going to get Massimo so um, Banner and I sat there she did all the drawings she's very good at drawings and measurements and all that kind of stuff she loves that she just loves um, um, doing projects you know especially when he's got building projects to do that's a real skill, isn't it? Yeah, real skill. I mean, she, I mean, when when she when she turned around and said to me, "Right, this is the color we're going to have," and everything from from your door to the skirting to the ceiling is all the same color. I said, "You're having a laugh, aren't you?" I said, "No way." She goes, "Yep, 
I am. And I tell you what, <laughs> when the shop when the shop finished, you walk in that shop, every single person says, "Wow, love the color." What? Wow, look yeah. at even the ceiling, you know, and it just works. It really looks rich and beautiful. Beautiful. She's done a great job, you know, yeah, absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Even to the lounge, when you walk into the lounge, she's saying, I want to get a statement door. What the hell are you talking about, statement door? <laughs> you know, so she sourced, she sourced every, a lot of items um, in antique auctions, antique fairs. Um, so it's amazing. I mean, the door entry of the, the lounge is from 1900. Is so, that the, yeah, the grand, oh, door, the grand entrance is incredible. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's a hundred, hundred years old. You know, so she sorts that, and she she sourced it before the building work started. And I'm thinking, how do you think like this? Wow. You know, she goes, I know exactly where it's going to go, and I know exactly how it's going to look, and she did it, and it is exactly what she wanted to do. You know, and it's brilliant. Uh, and the huge wow. chandeliers, she got one of the two of the chandeliers she got from Sweden. Um, so yeah, I mean, budget was, there was a budget, but the budget went out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I can only bloody imagine. I mean, and also that other door from the, 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 you know, divides off the lounge into the two bits, that lovely sliding door is, is, is a yes. work of genius, isn't it? Yes. So we decided that we wanted to do a, a VIP section and, um, I got this idea from when I visited, um, when I visited um, Hong Kong, because okay. um, if, you, if you've been to Hong Kong, a lot of their lounges have um, bespoke, bespoke, um, custom-made sliding doors where yeah, right. a lot of the clients want to have private meetings, and you would slide it and close it off. And I thought that's a fantastic idea. So I wanted to bring it into here, and I said to her, "Lena, this is how I want it." So she goes, "Okay." She goes, all right, we'll have it like this. And it was brilliant. Works fantastic. And we even had people hiring it, yeah, for private meetings, business meetings. Really? And it's, and, and it's great, yeah, yeah, you know. So um, it, it just, when, we, when it wasn't used, you could open it up. When, you, when it was, you and when you, you know, so it's a whole huge lounge. Uh, but then even when you close it, she done it mirrored effect on both ends. So you would not think that, you being claustrophobic, you know? And um, not to mention a beautiful bar as well. Yes. The bar is beautiful, you know, because we, with all cigar smokers, you know, you want to pair or you want to drink something with the cigar you're smoking. Yeah. You know, and especially when it's indoors. And we wanted to bring something uniqueness to it. it is, you can always go to a normal bar and buy a drink or whiskey or cognac. But we wanted to do something that, oh my God, you've opened this bottle up and I can try it. Rather than buying the bottle, I can buy shots. Yeah, you can. You know, so um, that that was fantastic as well, you know. And so, and we should make it. it clear to people that it isn't a private club. You can just walk in. It's open in the evenings. Um, yeah. Go in, yeah, grab we a open. stick, you know, and grab a drink and you're in heaven. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, anybody can walk in. Yeah, you just... Um, um, no, it wasn't. It just it's for everybody. Every everybody who loves cigars um, can come along there and just enjoy the 
what we call it, we call it the number six experience. <laughs> and um, the guys that we have working there, the three guys, um, Greg, um, Danny, and Dan, uh, sorry, Greg, Danielle, and Tommy, the three guys who love cigars. And all three of them have been in the hospitality business already. Right. So the hospitality side, they know with their eyes closed. And um, cigar side, uh, the main guy there is Greg because he's he just knows about cigars as much as I do. Um, ex ex Dunhill, he used to work at Dunhills. Oh, really? He's worked at Annabelle's, and now uh, he's working with us. You know, so he's our manager there. And. I mean, the time of talking, obviously you're closed, but hopefully it won't be too long before you'll be able to open some, in some way or other. But, but at the minute, you're yeah. doing a lot, of, a lot of sales online and stuff, I'm guessing. Yeah, luckily we have the number six website, uh, which is great. We managed to get that going literally as this uh, lockdown happened. Um, and that's been a blessing in disguise, to tell you the truth. Um, that would have been really difficult if we didn't have that. Yeah, so you know the shop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you've got a if you've got a website, it's great. You know, if you pump at it right now because of this lockdown, and people, hey, how how other ways can you get cigars? You can't get them otherwise, can you? No, exactly. And um, and the other thing to to make clear is that in the new shop, you have a, a huge range of new world cigars as well. It's not just Cubans, is it? Yes. Completely. So we do everything. We do from Cuban cigars to the New World, um, everything, you know, from Davidoff to Camachos to your your Padrons to your um, Liga Provadas, everything. We do everything. Um, It's just to to give um, everybody the opportunity to try any any single, single cigar they want to try you know, give them that experience as well, you know. Um, and we did have in our diary. <laughs> well, so when did it happen? It happened in March, didn't it? Yes. So, so we, had, we had events set up in middle of March all the way through with different drink companies, cognac, whiskeys, champagne, um, everything. You know, we had, we had tasting set up for all of these drinks cigars with tour with hunters with davidoff which was all going to come in line but then all of a sudden obviously um being in what was it second week of march we got shut down um i think it was the 23rd the lockdowns officially 23rd. Started. Yeah. 23rd of march and our first our first event was with the nicaraguan embassy oh. um and they call it they call it the um the um ambassadors oh yeah the ambassadors cigar club yeah yes so we were going to have them they were they were the first people going to come in and um to experience the number six experience and the guy who organizes it isn't it so frustrating so and the guy and the guy the guy who organizes it the nicaraguan guy he's ricardo ricardo yeah so he he comes He's been to the shop a few times Has just he? to look at it, check it out. He loved, he loved it, absolutely loved it. When he saw it, he goes, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" So um, he was really looking forward to showing all the other ambassadors the new cigar lounge come to come 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 to Cavendish Square. You know, 
Well, I will look forward to hopefully being there when you finally manage to um, to get that rolling, mate. It's uh, yeah, it's not yeah, to be missed. Sure, Nick. <laughs> no, no. You managed to talk Definitely through the entire Quaba Disquindidos. Disquindidos. And how gorgeous. Beautiful. Lovely. Beautiful. Beautiful cigar, isn't it? Thanks so much for, for that idea. It, it's got <laughs> richer. Mm. Yeah, it's fine because I'm sure it's nice to smoke the same cigar that we can converse with, you know, because normally I'm sure you smoke a different cigar to, to somebody else that you're having a chat with. Yeah. It's um, a really good idea. It's been great. I'm just yeah, getting great. down to the, to the little nub, and it's perfect. Listen, let's um, let's talk some more. Maybe, Maybe we can come and do an, uh, do a podcast during an event or something. And and I hope you get up and running soon. Get give um, give our best to Bowner. And yeah, and, um, and thanks so much for joining. I will definitely. Yeah, thanks for this. It's been great. Excellent. Bring back memories. You know, <laughs> <laughs> always good to chat over a smoke. Agent. Thanks, Nick. Take care, pal. Definitely, thanks. Hi, mate. All right, buddy. See you soon. Bye. Well, folks, that was the always interesting AJ Patel. What a fascinating discussion. And again, like all these people, one thing leads to another, one thing leads to another, and we could just spend hours chatting away. It's just brilliant. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Plenty more of stories where they came from, I'm sure. I'm... Uh, forward to catching up with AJ when we can safely do so. So it remains for me to tell you as always that Around the World and 80 Cigars the podcast is of course uh, an offshoot from Around the World and 80 Cigars the book written by me published by Red Door Press and it's available now. You can order it from all good bookshops from your favourite cigar shop or lounge or if you're struggling, you can, of course, order direct from www.nick-hammond.com. So thanks so much for listening. Keep your emails and your messages coming in. Please do go ahead and like and review and subscribe. Um, if you're listening on Apple, go and drop a review in for me. It really does make all the difference. Um, and uh, and spread the word. You know, we've got to keep chatting. It's great that people are enjoying them. I'm enjoying putting them together and hopefully we can keep this going as a regular thing. There's plenty more information out there and lots more fun to be had. And I've got some cracking guests lined up for you. I hope you've enjoyed the show, folks. I hope you're all keeping well. Look after each other and stay safe. All the best till next time.